What up, Dell? This is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, sponsored by Michigan Spartans fans. I owe you a big apology this week.com. This is uh, the podcast where six random Lions fans from around the country come together to talk about anything and everything Detroit Lions. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick, and I am joined this evening by my co-host Ryan McCluskey, which can only mean one thing. It is college football podcast day uh ryan first week an absolute stacked schedule and i mean i don't know about you but for me even by that standard it over delivered yeah there was there was definitely some results that caught a few eyes this weekend there were some big upsets there were games that should have delivered that didn't there was a lot going on in like say one weekend so it was awful it's pretty hard to decide what to choose when breaking it all down I know, it, it, it was literally that bad that we had to have a little get-together about this yesterday to try and figure out what we were going to do because there were just so many games that could go in there. It's Seriously, it's unreal. But anyhow, we're going to get to a lot of those this evening. So we're going to go through a little bit of news first. Um, then we're going to crack straight on down into the games. Uh, an injury update on a few players. Um, and then we're going to have a look at some of the winners and losers of the week. We're going to go down onto a few of the individual games and then we're going to finish off with a look at week three that's coming up so there's a lot to go on so right yeah we're going to dive right down into this so we're going to go into the news only a few bits uh, this week and we're going to go through those quite quickly so um if you were with us last week, you'll remember the uh, the Zeb Nolan watch that we put on. That was um, about South Carolina quarterback Zeb Nolan, the 24-year-old um, assist, graduate assistant coach who had to step in as a quarterback for the weekend because the starter went down injured. Well, he had a nice day. South Carolina ended up beating Eastern Illinois 46-sip, uh, completely blew them out. He threw 13 for 22 for 121 yards and four touchdowns. So a nice day for him, but I think that's probably the end of his season now. So story all over and done. Um, In bigger news, first week, we've already lost our first coach. Um, University of Connecticut Huskies boss, Randy Edsall. Um, He was meant to retire at the end of the season, but he's already been booted out of his post because they've had a really bad start to the season. If you were with us last week, you'd have um, heard us break down their game. They lost 45 to nothing to Fresno State, which was an absolute blowout. Um, And then in week one, they took on an FCS team, Holy Cross, not the biggest team in the world. Very few people heard of them. And they lost 38 to 28, which... Not a good result, even for a team as bad as them. That was a really bad one, and they've uh, expedited his retirement. I believe he's retired straight after this has happened. So, yeah, one week down, one coach down. And then rounding it off this week, another coach who's landed himself in a little bit of hot water. That is Notre Dame's head coach, Brian Kelly, um, after joking that his entire team should be executed. Um, it was a bit of a weird one. He was trying to make a bit of a joke about a coach in the past who'd come up with things. So he was trying to 
make a play on a former Tampa Bay Bucks coach, John McKay, who he quipped when he was asked about his team's execution in a game. And he says, I'm in favour of it. Well, he tried to come up with something similar, but he ended up saying, I'm in favour of execution. Maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. And it's just like, ooh, a little rough. Not something you want to say. And rightly, he's getting a lot of uh, a lot of uh, harassment over that at the minute. Um, Ryan, <laughs> not something you want to be hearing from your coach after the first game, really, is it? Well, he's not wrong. His, his comments did were merited, but it didn't roll off the tongue, did it? It could have put it a bit more eloquently. It was a bit, he butchered that. So, yeah, no, so, so rightly. Like you said, I thought it was funny, but, but like you said, some people obviously don't see it that way. They need to lighten up. They may have won, but like you said, they were by no means good. They were, they were messy all across the field. Yeah, you, you've got to be very close in this day and age. And obviously, you can't dispense with their boss. No surprise there really was there after that defeat at the weekend. Nope. He is my uh, he's my first loser of the week. He won't be getting any cake in the retirement party at the end of the season. He's been axed unceremoniously after I think he's gone six and thirty-four in his career. I think that's why he's ended down. So he's it's been terrible. Yukon probably should drop to the FCS, I'm perfectly honest. They're not an FC FBS school. They don't pump enough money in. Program is going to struggle for numerous years to come until it's taken seriously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely no surprises there. Anyhow, we're going to dive straight on into the games because we've got so much to go through this week. So we're just going to do a little injury update first. Obviously, injuries are part and parcel of the game and there are some ramifications on the draft as the season goes by. And there's been a few bad ones in week one. So we're starting with Mohamed Ibrahim, the running back from Minnesota. Obviously, huge things expected of him this season. He was expected to do really well in the draft. Um, he was the Big Ten running back of the year last year and he sustained a lower leg injury, which looked really like a bad Achilles injury. I think they were trying to cover that up a bit there, but it was not a pretty injury. It wasn't a pretty sight to watch. It was it was horrible. He uh, sustained that during their game against Ohio State and it's been confirmed now that he's having season-ending surgery I mean, that's a really huge blow for someone who, again, was expected to do really well in this year's draft. And I mean, the game himself, he, he was having a monster game up to that point. He'd got 163 rushing yards and two touchdowns on 30 carries at that point. He'd been really giving the business to Ohio State there. So big disappointment for him. And then a bit closer to home in Michigan, the Wolverines, they sustained a season-ended injury of their own. That was wide receiver. Ronnie Bell, who was their wide receiver one. There was a lot of hopes for him again this year. Um, he suffered a bad knee injury on a punt return, a 31-yard punt return during their 47-14 win against Western Michigan. Um, he just got one catch in the game, but it was a 76-yard touchdown. It was a beautiful grab, um, a beautiful play, and just showed you really what he could do. And I know amongst the Wolverines faithful, there are a lot of questions as to why their star receiver was playing punt return against such a small side, which, you know, it happens. But I suppose it is a relative question there. And I know a lot of them are annoyed about that. And then the third on-season ending, this is linebacker Chris Allen from Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, he's a big cog in the Alabama defence, another one expected to do really well this year. He made it to the second quarter of their game against Miami and um, he went down with a fractured foot. He's also um, going to have to have season-ending surgery, which is really big for that team. They've got a really good linebacking core there and he's a vital part of it. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do without him 
And then, and probably the biggest ramifications for the draft, Kayvon Thibodeau, the consensus best defensive player in the entire draft this year. He is out, uh, presumably for week two. He went down with a sprained ankle. It's uh, not looking good for him for week two now. You know, we've had three season-ended injuries. You're thinking, what's one week of it? But, you know, he's a potential number one guy in the draft. And if he misses any time at all or his form dives even a little bit as a result of this injury, it could have huge implications at the top of the draft. As I say, he's day-to-day to play next week at the minute against Ohio State. Odds are he won't play that one, but He'd already had a game. He went out in the first quarter. He'd already got two tackles for loss. One of them was a sack, a strip sack, and he'd set up another sack for somebody else. So he'd started like a man possessed, really. Um, Ryan, some some big ones there first week. It's, not, it's nothing you want to see there, is it? No, it's that's that's Minnesota's season over. But that now means Tanner Morgan is going to have to try to put the... Uh, on his shoulders to try to get them any progress. Like I said, they could even struggle to make a bowl game now. Ibrahim was one of the non-quarterback Heisman contenders, in my opinion. He could have easily gone for 13, 1,400 yards if he'd been well in the conversation. And now all they can do is try and recover and hope for the uh, the drafts, like I say. But his stock will slide, and we saw that with Chuba Hubbard, who returned for a year, had an injury, and he slid quite far. So that's, that's a real shame for someone that's probably like, one of the top four or five running backs in the draft next year. Ronnie Bell, like you say, a young quarterback here, not Matt Mara, needs his, needs his number one guy and he's, he's now gone. Jim Harbour has come out and uh, tried to defend it by saying that big playmakers have to make players and they automatically fit into positions where they can do so. Pretty much his words, he said, my elite wide receiver is going to make things happen in the return game. So I put him out there and it's, it's backfired. So, like I say, he's going to come under heavy criticism for that. It's a funny one, like I say, because like, you think of Alabama as such a stacked defence, but I'm pretty sure this guy had play calling duties. He was replacing Dylan Moses as like one of those central, like Mike and t- outside linebackers, which is a key thing, like I say. So it's someone that is going to be, would have been heavily relied upon this season. You'd have expected him to play every down. And he'd be calling the strength, so that can't be just underestimated, even though his talent probably replaced. He was one of those leaders. And if they were playing a scrub this week, no one would care. If they were playing some FCS team, it wouldn't even be missed, like say, day to day. But they're playing Ohio State. That, for them, is their bowl game because they don't get the offense to actually play big schools. Like, say, Pac-12s, unlike this one, get these matchups. I think they weren't going to win anyway, but now the light's even going to be even harder trying to stop Master Teague and that wrong game with outside contain because he would have set the edge perfectly and he would have given Cedric Stroud a, a welcome to the league. But no, that's just going to make Oregon's gap in their difference even bigger, unfortunately. I think he'll probably, probably be back within a, a week or two max. But yeah, like you say, hopefully it doesn't have any setbacks. Yeah, well, as you say, one defeat can end your season prematurely and obviously it's just not what they wanted first thing up. So obviously, hopefully he's back soon. Um, so yeah, some bad injuries there, but I thought we'd end on a lighter note. Um, FSU quarterback Mackenzie Milton returned to action this weekend. This was his first appearance in three years after suffering a catastrophic leg, leg injury, uh, which was career-threatening at one point. Um, he came in and replaced Jordan Travis in the fourth quarter of their game against Notre Dame. He went five or seven for 48 yards and he helped the uh, helped Florida State get back into that one because they were 18 points down going into the last quarter. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, 
But it's great to see him back, isn't it? Obviously, injuries like that, you never want them to happen. But to see him come back, hopefully be able to resurrect his career, really good news. Yeah, it's good. Like, say you worry with injuries because you look at Alex Smith, was it was it Trey Burton? I think the Chicago, like, say, when you injure, like, those guys were at risk of losing their leg. And I think that if it wasn't so quick to respond to him, this was another one where a young man could potentially have lost something below the knee, like, like the ligaments were damaged. Like, say, I think he had, like, he needed some blood transfusing and everything. Like, this guy was told that he was probably never going to play again. So to step in on the first day of the season. And for me, I think he's actually going to be the starting quarterback pretty quickly because Jordan Travis didn't show anything. I don't think he's got that team. I don't think he's a born leader. So if he can just gradually edge himself in, play the second half next week, I think he's eventually going to take over and he could have one last bravo before his college career ends. So it's it's fantastic to see go out on a high, hopefully. It'd certainly be something if he took over that starting job so quickly after uh, after being out for so long. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's sort of the injury bits this week. So we're going to crack on with the games now. Um, I know Ryan's done a... Um, sort of a list of winners and losers for the week, uh, which we can give you a little overview of and you can go and check if you want to. So I'll throw it right over to you, Rai. What did what did you see first off week one? Who stood out? Who didn't stand out? Well, my first winner of week one is we're going to go to a, a small name that no one knows, and that is Mr. Ren Hefley, the quarterback for Presbyterian, who broke the FCS record for throwing his 10th touchdown in a game. That broke the uh, the outstanding current record. That was early in the fourth quarter, so he had nearly half a quarter to spare, but it was benched and someone came in and threw two. They were playing St Andrews and they uh, they won a shoot out there by uh, 87 points, I think, to 45. So I think he was once actually a Michigan commit. So let's say it's great to see a guy that chose to walk on, went on the FCS route and had himself a monster day there. We've already mentioned the uh, the first loser. That's unfortunate. I'd say the UConn coach that's had to go and he's been forced into retirement early. I'd say hopefully he still gets a nice balloon or something for all his efforts. But yeah, that's that's a real shame. Like you say, how he's had to end like that so prematurely. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next winner will be well, a man we're going to talk about is uh, is Bryce Young. He is sitting lofty on the top of the uh, Heisman watch. I'd say after week one a very composed performance and they uh, handled their business and he put up some good numbers. Uh, if we're going to look at the first game of the week, we're going to talk about losers and that is the Clemson Tigers, unfortunately. Now, they may be the darling sweetheart of the uh, playoff board, but they're now 0-1-1. They're one loss away from potentially being out of contention. So from now on, they have to handle their business. They very much need to win out and try finish the seven leagues eleven on one to take one of those four spots. I think at any point, if they do get that second loss, for me personally, they're out. But I know there is a bit of bias, so there will be possibly some possible voting for them in the season. But the loser of them in trouble, and it was just it was a scrappy game. It was a it was pure defense, and it was one of the ones I personally enjoy. But no, unfortunately, they came out on the uh, now got an uphill battle to climb. My next winner for week one will be transfer quarterbacks. There was quite a few guys that made the decision for their senior year to swap teams. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, who was the backup in Oklahoma, he had a huge day through seven touchdowns for SMU. Jake Bentley, 
he dropped down to the FCS with South Alabama. He's been around about 10 years, it feels like. He handled his business on day one. Charlie Brewer got the job done at Utah after being a while, like, say, the star at Baylor. And Jack Cohen, he looks like a natural fit because he had a great showing on his debut for Notre Dame. These are all guys that had questions about them. They're not the youngest guys, but no, they all got their job done and they all did really well. The, the biggest losers of the week, I'm going to say, unfortunately, it's the Washington Huskies. There was talks of that, them being a dark horse, but unfortunately, I'm not going to name them to have gone the games, but they were shut down and held out by quite a small FCS team, and they will be licking their wounds this week, that is for sure. And my final word of the week, well, it goes without saying, it's the Georgia D. That's because they were the only one that could muster up any score in that game. And they managed to put the final nail in the coffin and put Clemson away. And losers, well, fortunately, Rattler won, but he didn't do himself. He didn't look great. He threw some sloppy interceptions. And Sam Howell, his, his Heisman Hobbs took a bit of a dash. People are already questioning him after week one. The O-line didn't help, but he couldn't get anything going. Like I say, he, he, he did not look good all around for that uh, program in week one. So they're my losers and winners. I'll probably do some each week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as you said, there's a lot of people who've taken a hit this week, a lot of results we did not expect. So, you know, we're probably going to get a lot more of these surprise ones. I mean, you wouldn't expect to be seeing Sam Howell, Clemson on the losers list, especially as early as week one. Um, we're going to go into it now, really. So... We um we took a little look around the league. We had a we we got a few little awards that we're going to hand out before we look at the main games um here. So, you know, every week one team gets absolutely royally hammered. So we've got the beating of the week here. The team that won by the most points that accolade this week goes to the Buffalo Bulls of the MAC. They beat the Wagner Seahawks sixty nine to seven. That's a sixty two point gap there. Although that is they are an FCS team. So um. Not really much of a surprise there. You're going to see a lot of score lines like this in college. Um, then we've got the upset of the week, and Ryan's mentioned it here. Washington. I mean, I said when I was looking at my one of my players to watch last week who plays for the Huskies, Washington were playing in a fixture that they'd not lost in over a century. Uh, they won 17 of 19 in this fixture, and they were playing Montana, and they ended up losing 13 to 7. And it's created some absolute, you know, massive headlines out there. It's been called the worst defeat in franchise history, one of the most embarrassing. And it's really just, it came out of absolutely nowhere because I said, you know, this is already a foregone conclusion. Well, it turns out it wasn't. And I've got a lot of egg on my face from that one. So that's definitely the upset of the week. And then we look for the statement win of the week where a team's really, you know, made a statement about what they want to do this year by putting away a rival, putting away, you know, good opposition. And there were a few this week, obviously Georgia we could think of, but the winner this week goes to, and I hate to say this, it's Keaton Slovis and USC. They put away San Jose State, who are the Mountain Kings currently. You know, they look good in the first week, but they beat them 30 points to seven. I mean, that one came out of nowhere, right? I didn't see that one coming. I don't know about you. Yeah, I expected you, but not so comfortably. I thought riding off that big high that Nick Starkle was going to come into this game and potentially cause a lot of trouble for that 
defense. I thought San Jose State would give a really good account of themselves, but you know, like say USC, they just shut down every phase of that game. They they just got these highlight stars. You got like say you've got it's uh, the edge player Drake Slovis was great. Like you say, he just protected the ball well. He moved the chains and they managed the clock really well. Like say it was a best way to open up a campaign where they're hoping to, uh, especially in the Pac-12, let's say, because there were six wins and six losses this week. And the North had a really bad week. Like, so this week, like say, it was really detrimental for them to lose. So they had to handle that business. There was pressure on them to not fall into the have, And they came out very comfortable winners. And that'll put them on a big high going into week two. Definitely. And like you said, everyone's won in that division. So who knows where that title's going at the minute? I think that's probably going to be one that could, you know, potentially go down to the last week. Um, but yeah, the, they were some of the games that took took some of the awards there this week. Now we're going to break down five of the ones that really took note. You know, we ended up watching a few of these. There's some really good ones. So we're going to start, and he's already been mentioned, with Sam Howell's North Carolina Tar Heels playing against Virginia Tech in which they were upset 17 points to 10 and Sam Howell had a really bad game. In fairness, it wasn't a great game for quarterbacks. I'll just run through some of the stats here. Sam Howell, he went 17 of 32, 208 yards, one touchdown, but three interceptions thrown and he rushed for 35 yards. Um, On the Virginia Tech side, Braxton Burmeister, he went 12 for 19, just 169 yards, a touchdown, an interception, 42 rush yards and a rush touchdown. But it was a really ugly outing for Sam Howell, wasn't it? I mean, he's lost. I mean, you have to take into consideration 4,000 yards of production he's lost from last year between Daz Newsom, um, Diami Brown, Michael Carter, Javante Williams. It was never going to be an easy start for him. And I think this just showed, I mean, it wasn't the greatest game really, was it? Not for him, not for his draft stock. No, like you say, we always knew, like you say, that they were going to have to replenish this lost talent. And we were led to believe that they'd be fine. Like you say, they'd brought guys in, they'd recruited for this, like you say, when players were going to leave in the draft and they had guys they trusted. But no, like you say, they just... He was forcing too many throws at windows that just weren't there. He was he panicked a little, like say three, three interceptions, and they were they were bad. Like say they were they were balls that just never been put there. They were never going to make the play. They were behind guys, the receivers that weren't even looking. It was like I think there's a weird one, like there's total miscommunication where I think he got called for grounding because the receiver like looked in and came back, like but he didn't even know what route he was supposed to be running, and everyone was confused, like. It was total chaos. His offensive line gave him no protection. He was getting chased all over, like say, like he didn't have any clean pocket to work with. And it just it just wasn't a good deal around. Braxton Burmeister. His body of work was small, like say. He didn't ask much of him. Like say his his reasonable percentage. But like say if you look at them 45 yards, like North Carolina could not contain the run. These were broken plays, they were scrambling. They're just missing tackles left, right, and centre. Like it was an all-round bad day for North Carolina. Like so they're gonna have to rebound from this quickly, or their ACC title hopes are gonna fade pretty quickly. 
Well, yeah, you, you mentioned, you know, the loss of his weapons. And, I mean, you look at the receiving stats from that game. So his top receiver was Josh Downs, who got nine for 132 yards and a touchdown. That's a hell of a lot. But the next target, Emery Simmons, uh, he just got three for 46. So when you are focused on one guy, trying to find one guy, He's not got Newsom and Brown anymore to spread his options around. Obviously, he's zeroed in on one. And, you know, the rest haven't really come up for him there. I mean, in the running in the running game, the two running backs got six and seven yards per carry on average. So they did okay. But as you mentioned, his offensive line was absolutely terrible and just gave him no help whatsoever. But, you know, credit where it's due, defense did well that day. I mean, um, Virginia Tech played ever so well. I mean, God, it was a even taking into account all the weapons he'd lost, the atmosphere, the hostility of that game. It affects you. I mean, we put the video up on the Royal Alliance Twitter page um, when they come out to oh Christ, what was it again? Um, Enter Sandman. Sandman. And Jesus, it's one of the best things you've ever seen in your life. It's hostile. It's brutal. It's just like yeah, you're going to be fired up for a game like this. And you could tell Virginia Tech were feeding off that and North Carolina were nervous as anything. But you've got to give the, you've got to give credit where it's due. Their defence really stepped up. I mean, I've got the stats here. So many guys. Um, defensive back, Jamari Connor. You got six, six solo tackles, two assisted tackles and an interception. Defensive lineman, T1 Garbutt, four solo tackles, one assisted tackle, two sacks. Uh, Amari Barno, uh, Amari Barno, yeah, defensive lineman, four solo tackles, two assisted tackles, one and a half sacks. Linebacker Alan Tisdale, three solos, four assisted, one sack. And, you know, Jermaine Waller, defensive back, Dax Hollifield, linebacker, both had interceptions. They all stood up and counted for that day. Their, their defence looked really good and, you know, I could carry them through some big games this year. I think they, they looked quite decent, didn't they, given their opposition? Yeah. Like I said, Virginia Tech, they're, they're well-respected in the ACC. I think they're more generally known for their defence and their offence. Like I say, they're able to clamp teams down when needs be and try to win these short games. And it was weird, like I say, because some of those sacks, like I say, were on the line, but some of them were on Howell. There's questions like, does he sense pressure? Because sometimes you just look at him and think, step up, step up, there's a hole there, there's someone coming around. And he gets ploughed from behind, like, and they really preyed on that. It's just his hesitation there and they fed off of it. And like I say, they just grew in confidence. And for them, like you say, that is like with them and Clemson losing, like the ACC is is there to be had in the opening weeks. Because like I say, Miami lost, like they were the real big winners of that. I think it's going to show they can hope to grow in confidence. So like I say, when they get smaller teams, they're going to be able to get some cheap wins and uh, hopefully cause a bit of trouble and uh, spoil the pack some people in that conference. Absolutely. I mean, I just want to quickly end this with, I know Sam Howell had a bad game, but for me, the, the reaction, especially what I've seen from the Lions Twitter faithful, has been unbelievable, really, hasn't it? People have already written him off and said, we're not going to bother. I actually put the question out there, should we give up on him now? And so many people said yes. And I was like, they're not even joking. I mean, it's one game, man. His situation, all the weapons he's lost in that hostile atmosphere against a good side, you know, many other quarterbacks would do the same. And you can't give up on him now, surely. It, it's unbelievable to even suggest otherwise. No, like, see, so you, can't, you can't give up on a guy after week one that's had a rough outing. Because, like you say, there's other people that we're going to mention that had a fantastic week one outing 
and people have suddenly all love him. But I'm pretty sure he's going to dent that reputation pretty quickly when he makes mistakes. So it swings and roundabouts. Like I say, you can't write a guy off. And like I say, we can't all bloody start ass-kissing some other dudes, like I say, after week one, even though I love both. Like I say, there's still a long way to go. It can be resurrected this season. I mean, the silly thing was, I, I've never really been a Sam Howell fan. I've never been on that train. But after what I saw on Sunday, I'm actually fully rooting for him to come through now. It's strange how these things work, but it was completely unjustified for me, some of the complete write-offs like he got. Anyhow, we're going to move on. And probably the biggest fixture of this weekend was number two-ranked Clemson against number five-ranked George. Now, we sort of highlighted this as maybe there could be an upset in this one last week. And as we've already mentioned, believe it or not, Georgia won this game. They won it by 10 points to three. Now, you've got your second and fifth ranked teams in the country. And the unbelievable stat from this one, not one single offensive touchdown in the game. The only touchdown scored was a pick six. I mean, I'll go through the stats here. They're not pretty reading whatsoever. So um, for Clemson, DJ... Um, he's one of my favourite quarterbacks and, you know, I want the Lions to take him the year after this if he's there and we need one. But he had a really rough day. He went 19 of 37, which is barely over 50%, 178 yards, no touchdowns and an interception, which, as I say, was a pick six and it was not pretty. But JT Daniels on Georgia's side did just as he did even worse. He got 22 of 30, but just for 135 yards, no touchdowns one interception. Now, the thing that really stood out here was how much Clemson missed Travis Etienne. Their rushing figures, and this is not a joke, their lead rusher was their running back, Lynn Dixon. He had one rush for 10 yards. That, that was it. There were two other running backs who had four carries each for seven yards. But when your running back's getting 10 yards, you saw the amount of throws DJ had to make, the pressure he was under. And George's front seven went to work on him. They sacked him seven times, which just shows when you don't have a running game, you're putting your quarterback back at risk. I mean, this was a bad game, wasn't it, really? I mean, it was a game for defences. The defences did well, especially George's. But for a second versus fifth ranked game, this wasn't a great spectacle. This was, this was a terrible game. I don't, unless anyone purely loves defence, don't even bother going to watch it. This is the highest ranked meeting of these two teams in programme history. I don't think any, they've never played ranked these two highest. And it was, it was abysmal for the best part. I don't know what Dabo Swinney was thinking. I don't care how much it's little. You can't just abandon the run. I know it wasn't working, but they literally threw DJ to the wolves by abandoning the wrong game. Georgia lost all respect for them. Like I said, as soon as they stopped trying to do it and put the ball in his hands, they just sent the house. They just blitzed more because they saw like the running backs weren't even like getting carries to try and get outside of the tackles. They they gave up on that game. And it showed they fully deserved to lose that Georgia confident that front growing confidence, like you say, because like they were able to get to him. The backs weren't picking up blocks very well. They just had a really bad day on offence and the defence, like I say, just once they were able to clamp down those receivers, they just, they were easily picked off in the end. Like I say, it was like shooting fish in a barrel because they were just so one-dimensional. I was incredibly disappointed. I didn't even make it most of the way through the second half. So just like, 
this is a bit of a crapshoot. I was, I wanted this one of the games of the century and it just didn't deliver on either side. Neither coach would be happy, but end of day, this wasn't about performances, this was about results. So Georgia should be delighted. Absolutely. You know, that was their biggest game of the year by a long stretch. They've won that. So now if they can get against the lesser opposition, I mean, they could very much win the division. They could get into the final four. That's how it's looking for them. And we were asked last week, you know, what are the playoff ramifications for a loss for either team? Obviously for Clemson, it's probably a bit easier for them. But Georgia, they've put themselves well in contention now, haven't they, if they go through the season unbeaten? Even with one loss, like I said, I think even a one-loss Georgia with a Clemson win because they go off strength of schedule, they'll be a shoo-in. Like I say, if Clemson losing, like I say, it's it's just so much harder, like I say, because their schedule isn't easy. Like I say, we've seen an ACC upset already. They don't play in a, they play in a difficult conference. And now they've got, like I say, they've got young man in DJ Ungalele that is, is going to need help he needs a bit of guidance, like you say. He'll probably be feeling pretty bad about that loss. He's going to need picking up, dusting off, and then you have to go again next week. Like you say, the loser of this game, whoever it was, we're going to have a, climb, a mountain to climb. So like you say, there's going to be teams that are really going to be pushing this year. You could have an unbeaten Cincinnati. You could have like a UCF, someone that could win 10, 11 games. And they could be very well pushing with one of these two for that fourth spot. So... It's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how they pan out now. Yeah, I think this game has big ramifications going through the season, but hopefully we just see them play better than we did in this one because, yeah, it did not live up to expectations whatsoever. Um, it's not all bad, though, if you're a Clemson fan. There were a few standout performances for them. Um, wide receiver Joseph Ngarta, he caught six for 110 yards. He had a really good day. He got most of DJ's passing yards for that one. And then on defense, someone who did really impress me was James Skolski, the linebacker. He had a combined 14 tackles for the game, and he looked every bit an imposing part of that defense, and I was really impressed by him. So, you know, there are positives to be had there. But we say with Georgia's defense, they just look, you know, seven sacks against Clemson. That's huge. Who knows what they're going to do this year? You know, a lot of quarterbacks are going to be running for their lives, so it's going to be good to see how they get on. But we're going to move on because we've still got a few to do. Now, this one, this was probably one of the biggest shocks of the week and why at the opening of the show I said that I had to apologise to this particular team because it was the Michigan State Spartans who we said were going to be quite comfortably cleaned out by Northwestern, but they had other ideas. They ended up winning 38-21 to 21 in a bit of a blowout in the end, and this was mainly on the back of a certain running back who absolutely came to the party for them, and this is probably one of the performances of the week, and we're, of course, talking about Kenneth Walker. Now, he had 23 carries, 264 yards and four touchdowns for the tip of this offence. Um, neither of us saw this one coming, did we? But, I mean, what a performance from the running back there. I mean, that's Dave, those are massive numbers. Yeah, that 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 is huge. And Northwestern are usually a team known for, for defence. Like they've got good solid linebackers. They're usually able to stop the run fairly well, but nope, they were absolutely non-existent in a, in run stop this weekend. They could barely lay a hand on him. He was just hitting home run after home run. And in the end, I think 
they just got tired. He, he literally they just wore them down. It killed the clock, let's say, 23 attempts, let's say. It, it, it helped manage the clock. It took the pressure off the quarterback. When you can take a running back and he can just put the game on his shoulders and he can just win it for you like he did like that, in the end, it was pretty comfortable for them. And I don't think anyone in the country saw that. Most people have had Northwestern's favourites. I think they were, I think the bookies covered them with a, a spread with like a score or two. Like I say, but it's, it's, it's the best way for them to start off, like say, gain some confidence. Like I say, that will be huge for them going down the stretch and going into week two. And like I said, they've got the leading rusher in the nation after week one. And that's see if you can follow it up. Hopefully it wasn't a flash in the pan. Like I say, keep feeding him. Like I say, you always ride the hot hand with running back. It could break out and have a huge season. Absolutely. I mean, I know the, the Michigan State half of our Twitter feeds were absolutely ecstatic about this one. I don't think a lot of them saw it coming either. But as you're saying, that division, that's a real statement win that is, especially within the division. And we've seen a lot of teams in there who are OK this year. But if they're going to put in more performances like that, they could really be making noise in the division this year in the Big Ten, couldn't they? And I mean, that didn't seem likely going forward. I mean, it was they had a, just a good performance all around. I mean, Peyton Thorne, he didn't have to do much at quarterback. He got 185 yards and a touchdown. In fairness, Northwestern's quarterback, he did well. Uh, Hunter Johnson, he got 283 yards, three touchdowns. Not really much he could do about his defence not being able to stop the run. But you know, it was a good good quarterback performances there. But I mean, Kenneth Walker, I mean, it just I watched the I watched the first three quarters of this and man, he moves. It this wasn't much like it was easy yards for him. You know, his movement, his short yardage movement ability was just amazing. And, you know, if he carries on like this, he's gonna be making real noise. I don't know when he's draft eligible, but there are gonna be a lot of teams who sit up and take notice of this one. I mean it's going to be interesting for their season if they do well. Obviously, if they do well, it's good for Michigan football because they've obviously been bad for a few years now. But, I mean, I can see them upsetting a few more in the Big Ten, can't you? Uh, I've just taken a look at the schedule. The last three games of the year are incredibly hard. Like, they've got the three big boys in the last games. Up until that, though, they've got very winnable games. There's the chance here, I'd say, for a good... At ceiling, they could get eight and nine wins. They could have one of their best years that they've had for quite a few years here. I'd like them to easily go like eight and four, which should be really good. And there's a chance here that they could win. They could actually, for once, trump Michigan. I, I, I think Michigan could struggle at times this year. But this is a very favourable schedule. Uptown next, you've got Youngstown State. It's FCS team. Like I said, then they've got, got Miami. But they've got the likes of Rutgers, Purdue. I'd like them to be competitive in the conference games, put them away. And I think, like I say, they could very much be one of the uh, teams that play under the radar. And by the time they meet the Michigan actual game, like that could be huge. That could be a really big game for them. And they could go into there with some real confidence if they've like, it could be six or one or something by the time they get it. That could be a huge game. And it's going to get a lot of media attention with a good Michigan State team. Because for years now, they've just been one of the whipping boys at times and they've just really struggled. They've been a team that always causes upsets, but now they want to be one of the favourites. They want to be favoured going into games. So I'd say there'll be a strong 2-0 going into Miami. I'd say that's going to be a game we're definitely going to watch and keep an eye on. 
Absolutely. I mean, God, if there's stakes going into that, I'm not even going to begin to think what our Twitter's timelines are going to look like between Spartans and Wolverines fans over there. It's bad enough at the best of times, let alone when Spartans are competitive against them. It's funny to see the Lions' allegiances just suddenly dissolve right in front of your eyes. Um, and especially then, the same with OSU, really. But anyhow, we're going to move on. Um, got two games left, so... This one is one of the darlings of the start of the season, um, UCLA. Now, obviously, we covered them last week in their game against Hawaii. They won that really comfortably, but they look really good. They had a much tougher test this week against LSU, the Tigers, who obviously lost a lot of talent in the last few drafts. Bigger step up in competition, much bigger step up in competition for them. And there was questions about whether they could win it, but they're 2-0. They beat LSU 38-27. to 27. And the standout, we mentioned him week one, um, Zach Charbonnet, the ex-Wolverines running back. He had a second 100-yard game, had a really good performance, 117 yards and a touchdown. And he got 35 yard, a 35-yard reception as well. He led the Russian attack there. Um, they got another guy up at 96 yards and a touchdown, so they really went with the running game. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson at quarterback, another really solid outing. 9 of 16, 260 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. They couldn't have asked for a better start, really, could they? Nope. Like I say, this offence has started clicking early. They're firing. Like I say, when you can generate a run game, that opens up the pass game. Like I say, Zach Chardonnay is coming as one of the instant transfer players of the league. It's weird sometimes they just get there and it just clicks. Like I say, like nearly 300 yards in his first two games, something's just gotten right for him this year. I think it's, I think this could be a senior year. So this is someone that is peaking at just the right time for a draft. So it's, it's great to see. Hopefully he can keep it up. He's got a big body. But what I saw from him in the opening two weeks is, like I say, he's got that turn of speed. He's got good balance. He's an all-round, very well-built like running back. I think there's someone that he can rely on and they're going to be able to lean on him heavily. Going 2-0 is fantastic. I didn't, I'm not like, I didn't even have him in the Pac-12 contention title. But I think I've got to now open my eyes and understand that uh, they could actually be there and that they're going to be a, a contender in this conference. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think he works best in smaller sample sizes. Like I say, we've seen that he's been very efficient so far about having to have too many passing attempts. And the defence, well, it's one of those, it's bend, don't break. Like we just saw from Michigan State, they gave up quite a lot of yards and big plays, but when it mattered, they kept them out of the red zone and they buckled up uh, in the way counting on the field. So I think it was a great win. I think it's raised still a lot of questions about LSU. There, there's going to be a lot of fans that are worrying how they're going to be for the next few years because there's just so many questions at quarterback. They still do worry me. I don't know who the future of that franchise is. So right now they're in a very vulnerable state. Anyone playing LSU right now, I'd I'd feel confident if you go out there and take it to them, there's a chance they might just roll over. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know it's weird to see teams that you associate with championship games suddenly just fall out of relevance. But a bad draft will do that for you. And a bad draft for a college team is obviously losing all the guys to the NFL. And that borrow year they lost so much talent it was it was unreal, and of course, it's going to be hard to bounce back from that. But I mean, you mentioned obviously about the good, you know, aspects of a running game, the UCLA, and I mean that's reflected in the 
passing. I mean, their receiving leader, um, Greg Dulcich, he got three receptions, 117 yards and a touchdown. That was an average of 39 yards a throw. Now, just going down the averages of the other receivers for that, 24.5, 22.5, 35. Those are the average yards for the throws. So they they had the run game on tap, so they had to go one-on-one coverage at the back, and they just got burned time after time after time after time. And it's a great example of what the run game does for you if you've got the right weapons. So, you know, Fair play to them. They've had a bang to the season. Whether they can keep it up, who knows? But they've got a lot of talent there. So I think the schedule lightens up for them a little bit going forward. So it'll be interesting to see if they hit any hiccups or anything. In terms of LSU, you've mentioned, you know, there's issues. And again, they're suffering from the lack of a running game. Their lead in Russia was 13 carries, 31 yards. That's only 2.4 yards a carry. Guy after that, 11 carries, 16 yards, 1.5 yards a carry. When you can't even get over two and a half yards a carry, you're going to struggle massively. And just like Clemson are missing Etienne, LSU are missing a running back full stop. So that's where they struggle. But, you know, again, positives. Um, Kayvon Boutte, nine receptions, 148 yards, three touchdowns. Good day for him. You know, really impressive receiving performance. We'll see how he gets on, but... Yeah, a really, really tough loss for them and a really good win for UCLA. So we will see, you know, what goes on going forward with them. But we'll move on to our last one. And I've just lost my notes as to where we're at. Ah, this was one of the first games of the week. And this was a really, really good game. Um, UCF, University of Central Florida against Boise State. And, oh God, I've lost my notes. How did That was 31-28 that ended up, wasn't it? I believe. Yes. Yes. Sorry, I, I like- lost my notes one minute there. Um, so, yeah, Boise State took a very quick 21 nothing lead. And you're thinking, oh, dear, you know, they're going to blow out UCF. UCF were favourites for that game, but they choked. And UCF battled their way back and they picked the game off them. I mean, that's a bad loss for Boise State, especially given that San Jose also gave up a loss this weekend. That's a huge opportunity for them to get a stranglehold on the division. I mean, it was a bad breakdown, really, from the position they were in at the start of the second, wasn't it? Yeah, Hank Fock, my, uh, pardon my French, he shit the bed. Like, to be 21-0 up, uh, just make all these questionable decisions. Like, I've seen it a hundred times. The player, where he's running out of bounds, he can see the first down marker, and he throws back across his body into midfield, and it's picked off for a cheap interception. And that turned the game. I think that led to the game-winning score. I don't know what he was seeing. He got caught in two minds, but there's something in the meltdown. Like, they started bad UCF. Like, it's a, this 100-yard pick six, which should have just been a ch- shovel pass touchdown. It was two halves. Boise State controlled the first half. UCF were just turning the ball over needlessly. There was fumbles on snaps, interceptions. They just looked bad. And then Boise State just couldn't keep hold of the ball in the second half. And in the end, like you say, they just stumbled over the line almost. Neither team will be entirely happy. But for it's a big win, like saying the comeback, because uh, there's a question I always like, so who's going to get the uh, the final New York six bowl in Power Five teams? And UCF, Boise State, are the two are the biggest non-packs in the nation. So this will always... So they got the job done. Let's say Fresno State have won a game. Sands won. 
like this was a chance to get a, some sort of foothold back in the Mountain West and they let it slip by, like I say, and the schedule don't get any easier. No, I think the big thing for UCF was they didn't give up their run game early. Um, I know when you go 21-0 down quite quickly, it is, you know, quite, you know, an easy thing to just run to your passing game, but they stuck with the rushing game. And I know Bowser, their running back, he got 172 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, you've got to stick with your run game. And the fact they did, it paid dividends. And, you know, that gained the sort of foothold to get them back in it. And then in the receiving game, Robinson, six receptions, 140 yards, a touchdown. So big performance in the running backs, big performance in the wide receivers. Dylan Gabriel, he threw 318 yards, four touchdowns, although there were two picks as well, which were not pretty. But they got the job done, really. And I just want to correct it. It was 36-31. So I just lost my notes there for some reason. I don't know why, but it's a big win for UCF anyhow. Um, if they can cut the silly mistakes out, then, you know, they might start to fulfil their potential this year, mightn't they? Yeah, because like I said, there's, there's a lot of talent on that team. Like, say, we've seen uh, Bowser, John Robinson, like you say, and Dylan Gabriel is someone that people really admire. Like, they've got, he's got a lot of traits that could make him a viable project at the next level. So he needs a big year. Like I said, there were some sloppy errors, but for the best part of it, it took them going so far behind to like kick into next gear. Like I say, hopefully next week they can just start on. Like I say, the put games away easily because we've seen that they can be a powerhouse scoring. Boise State need to lick their wounds. That was a bad loss when your three scores up. Need to somehow shake it off in the past and just try and go again next week. Absolutely, and I'll end here just with a quick um, props to yourself. Uh, the standout on Boise State's side, a certain wide receiver by the name of Shakir, who I think you highlighted last week as one of your receivers to watch. He ended up with five receptions, 91 yards, two touchdowns. But he wasn't the only one of your guys who shone this weekend, was he? <laughs> no. Uh, one of them, the Quezes, like say, Sam Houston State won massively, but he didn't feature much. But no, all three guys picked. Ontario Drummond finished with 177 yards and a touchdown and a big old miss win. I had uh, David, I think, about nine receptions for 134 yards as well. So three guys, like I say, that all, I picked them and they didn't make me look silly for once. So that's good. I think they're going to be guys to work with. So, yeah, if you've got any you know, any queries about positional groups, players, you know, gems, anything like that, we're the pod to come to because Ryan there got three out of four on his first week and hopefully they're, uh, you know, they uh, carry on performing going forward. But that's everything for the, you know, the look on games this week. There were a lot more we could have put on. We mentioned Ole Miss there. Matt Corral looked really good. We saw good Matt Corral. Um, they blew out Louisville in the end in what was meant to be a closed game. There were a lot of other games, but we can't cover them all, unfortunately. So we're going to move on and we're going to end this week's segment with a look at our five players to watch. You know, we do this. We started the season, five guys. We thought we're going to do well. We're going to track them week from week. And they've all played the first games this going week. So you go first, right? Then I'll go after. How did, how did your five get on? Who impressed who maybe not so much? There. My corner Trevius Hodges, uh, Trevius Hodges from TCU. They had a very comfortable opening week, win-win. 
but he didn't actually do much because in the end they were playing Duquesna, who were only put up three points and they couldn't muster any offence whatsoever. So for him, it was a very easy day at the office. So like I say, he'll be happy. They'll take that one chalk it up as a win, but there's not many stats there really to talk of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, crack through all your five, then I'll do mine. Uh, like I say, big win for Liberty. They beat the Campbell Fighting Camels. I love that name. It's fantastic. Malik Willis showed just why I picked him. He's a dynamic dual threat quarterback. He threw for a touchdown and received and rushed for one. He had five carries, 55 yards, a steady 11 yards carry, which is great for any quarterback. He had a nice, solid 60-ish percentage on uh, passes, 15 for 23, for 217 yards and a touchdown before he came off and let the backup come in. So he had a very nice opening week one and did the work through the damage in the air and on the ground as well. I'm just trying yeah, to find we, um, I think we're all really excited about Willis, aren't we? Um, especially after the front two struggled this weekend, Rattler throwing two interceptions against Tulani. His stock's gone up, hasn't it, massively? I know it's not the biggest opposition in the world, but you've got to beat what's put in front of you and showcase your skills, and he did. Yeah, he can only beat who's there, like you say. He, he rushed well, like you say, designed runs, brought plays, did what he does best, like things will come. I think on Sunday, like you say, and got much tougher games during the schedule, so there's going to be chances for those scouts to evaluate him. I'm just currently looking. My mind's gone blank about my five players. Okay, well, I'll crack on with a few. Of my, I'll crack on with a few of mine while we're waiting. Then, so um, my first guy, uh, he's my quarterback, who I love. This is Carson Strong of the Nevada Wolfpack. Now they had a good opening weekend. They won a divisional game against California, twenty-two to seventeen. Strong himself went twenty-two of thirty-nine for fifty. It was a 56% completion, which maybe not the best in the world, but he got 312 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. And he was also named the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week. Such was his performance. It was a really good first showing for him. As I say, it was against a divisional rival, so it's big for Nevada. You need to win those games. And they did that. Um he looked really good all round, to be fair. I mean, the interception was a bad one. The safety read him. He gave it away a little too much on that pass, but that's nitpicking. That was one pass. It didn't happen for the rest of the game. Um, so in my eyes, his stock has gone up there. Well, I'm big on him. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more of him. So hopefully that carries on. Um, Garrett Wilson was the next guy. He's the Ohio State wide receiver. Obviously, they beat Minnesota. Um, first game of the week. It was um, a really good game. That that was another one we could have mentioned. Uh, really enjoyed it. CJ Stroud struggled like hell in the first half, but second half, the guy, uh, Minnesota lost Ibrahim. The offense went to work for Ohio, and they ended up quite comfy winners. But Wilson himself, five receptions, eighty yards, and one touchdown. Um, his touchdown was really good. It was a fifty-six yarder. Um, he completely smoked the defensive back who was on him, he just turned on the cannons and was gone. Got about six or seven yards of separation and there was no catching him whatsoever. Um, That's one of the things I like most about him, his ability to separate. He was outshone by his partner in crime, Chris Olave, but I mean, they they both had really good games. Olave got over 100 yards and two touchdowns, but they're really going to cause problems for people this year, although they've got a really tough matchup against Oregon this weekend, so it's going to be interesting to see how they do, because Oregon's corner room is pretty good. Um, 
So yeah, his stock has stayed pretty much where it was at for me beforehand. I still believe he's really good and we should be looking at him in the first round and hopefully he carries on um, performing. Uh, next guy is Traylon Burks of Arkansas. Thank you for that, Matt. I will say it properly in future because you keep picking me up on it. Um, Arkansas were playing Rice this week and I expected him to do really well. However, I didn't account for the fact that he was just coming off injury and he only just made the game. Um, so he had five receptions for 42 yards. That was it. It wasn't the greatest, in fairness. He was targeted nine times. He dropped twice. Um, he didn't have a reception for more than 10 yards either. So it was a little concerning, obviously, or caveat it with he had an injury. So we'll see what happens. Um, and obviously the quarterback who's throwing to him, KJ Jefferson, is new. He had a really bad game. He only got 128 passing yards. Um, Arkansas ran the ball about 260. So there wasn't as much need for him in the passing game. But the drops are a concern. So his stock has slid a little bit for me this week. But we'll see what he can do. They're playing the Longhorns next week. That's really good opposition. They're seven-point favourites for that. So hopefully he can have himself a game there and do really well. Um, Christian Harris is the next guy. He's the linebacker from Alabama State. Oh, I'm sorry, just Alabama. Uh, he's the one I'm highest on the most out of all these. He's one of the, he's, for me, he's one of the best linebackers going this year. And he had a really good game. He got two solo tackles, three assisted tackles, two tackles for loss and a sack. He did really well. Alabama, and this was another game we've not even got around to mentioning just because there was that many. They blew out Miami and Derek and Derek King. They ran him all over the pitch. They kept sacking him. He just got nothing going against them and they just completely blew them out. And it was a really impressive performance. And obviously now they've lost Christian Harris. He's going to have a lot more work to do going forward. So his leadership skills are going to come into question a lot more and you're going to see him hopefully step up and take that gap even further. So we wait to see, but his stock's risen highly for me. Great first game against good opposition. And Lions fans should really be looking at him as a player we can draft this year. I'm so looking forward to it. And hopefully, you know, he's under consideration when we get there because we're really going to need a linebacker in the next draft. That's why he's on there. And then my second linebacker, um, Edifuano Lafoscio, he plays for the Washington Huskies. As we've said, they had a really, really bad defeat to Montana. But he himself had a decent game. Um, he got three solo tackles, two assisted tackles. One of those was for a loss and he got a pass breakup as well. So it was a solid enough game for him. But obviously it was a really bad team performance. So, you know, it's hard to say individually he did all right, but team-wise it was not so good. So again, his stock stays steady for me this week. But Washington do play the Wolverines this week. So if you're going to watch Michigan, if you're going to watch the Wolverines, keep an eye out for Olafosio on Washington. He's got a chance to perform on a much bigger stage this week and hopefully they will have a good resurgence. So, you know, he's my sleeper guy and I'm really high on him and I think he's going to do well in the draft. So keep a special eye on him for the Wolverines game. Um, what about the rest of your guys, Riley? Uh, I found it, yeah. Uh, my next, my third guy for was Merlin Robertson. That is the stand-up outside linebacker and defensive end for Arizona State Sun Devils. He had a great game. Like I say, he had, well, he only had three solo freeze tackles combined, but Arizona State defense just blew out the opposition in their opening game. 
He was great in run stuffing, and he also was able to set the edge and get a few quarterback hurries. He's someone that is listed as a potential edge at the next level. He's draft eligible this year. He looks good, healthy, and he's someone that should be able to rack up quite a few sacks this year. Like I say, the defensive front had a great game. And there was a few batted down balls. He missed out on a chance at an upper, a potential interception. But he just he looks good. He's healthy. He's fast. He's a big, strong guy. I think he's going to show up again, hopefully, this Sunday and play UN and LV. So he's going to be a guy to watch. Hopefully, he's going to start to put up the numbers like he did last year. But he started slowly just purely because of rotational. And he just wasn't needed. So they kept his workload light, which I appreciate. And I'm pretty sure if I remember right, I think I had Matt Corral on my original list as a guy to watch. I think he was my last player. Yeah. Now, what impressed me about Corral was it, it wasn't the passing. It was the fact that he understood that Louisville knew he could pass. So they were showing pressure and blitz and then they were dropping seven and eight in coverage. And instead of trying to take on all the defenders because he likes to be a superhero, he was scrambling. His O-line was creating huge holes for him. Like He's had such a good O-line return this year. It was great for him. And he was rushing for first downs. He had a few 10, 11, 12-yard rushes. He was protecting himself. It's like, say, he went for slide. He got two ejections. Two guys headbutted him because they couldn't stop him. He was, he's tough. He's strong. But in the passing game, like the zip is unreal. Like He's got a 60, 70-yard arm. He was firing passes out to the sideline. He was spreading the ball around really well. And it was probably the most comfortable I've seen him in an opener for possibly months, even a year or two. Like there was a lot of pressure on him. Lane Kiffin was at home with COVID. The head coach wasn't there. And he just, he took up, he breathed and like he made no mistakes. He played as close to a perfect game as he has for a few years. And people are incredibly high on him now. Like he's shown what he can do in a clean pocket. And I am a huge fan. Like I said, there's already talk of him potentially being a future Lion in maybe rounds two, back end of the first. Like, he's got the potential, but the competition will stiffen up. Like, Louisville are known for a good defence. They didn't show it. They struggled all day. Discipline was absolutely awful. I've never seen four rejections in a game off targeting. It was it yeah. got quite laughable. It was laughable in the end. Like, they need to work on the rules, but he kept his head when players didn't. And that's what, like I say, he could have got caught up in it all. There's a few scraps and that, but no, he had a fantastic uh, one-week outing. Yeah, I must admit, I'm, I'm sort of one of those who's not really, I don't really know as much about him. So I'm starting from sort of a neutral base here and I was really impressed with him. Like you said, the zip he gets on the passes, oh, it was beautiful. It was like he released the ball and it was in his receiver's hand before you'd even see it leave his hand. That's how quick he is. And, you know, if he carries on like that, I know I've seen a few Detroit media publications already saying, is our next quarterback at Ole Miss? I know that the hype is growing for him. So it's going to be a really interesting one. Six, like you've said, there are games when he'll throw seven interceptions as well. So we need to see if he's cleared that up yet. If he stays consistent for the year, sky's the limit for him, really. And we say he probably would be well under consideration for the Lions if they were to look past Goff. But interesting week for the five. So I think there's going to be fun, isn't it? I think some of them we're just going to completely drop out of and some are really going to grow on us. Yeah, some of these are going to, like, say, have absolutely standout performances. And then there's going to be weeks where at least one of them probably stink, like Willis or Corral. They're going to have a stinker. 
and we know it's going to come, it's going to be when they come. It might come when they play each other. A little bit of the Ole Miss, everyone's got it circled. Like you say, that, I, look, I can't wait for the duel when I get to compare them. Definitely. It's going to be really interesting to, to see how they develop. But we're going to give them all the opportunity. We're not going to write them off after one game for certain. So, you know, let's see how they get on um, as the season progresses. So, yeah, that's the look at the games for this week. Obviously, there were so many in there. If we've not been able to mention them all, we apologise. Otherwise, we'd be here until tomorrow doing this. So we've gone through some of the main ones from the week. So we'll just have a quick glance over next weekend's fixtures obviously it's not anywhere near the stat there's a lot of FBS versus FCS games this weekend a lot which are expected to be clean sweeps but after last week I'm not taking anything into consideration but week two rise that, that anything that's catching your eye that you particularly want to watch um, yeah anything at all I know the big ones obviously Ohio State Oregon that's going to be big but obviously Caven Thibodeau out if he is out, that's going to be huge for them. But it's going to be a really interesting battle between Ohio's wide receivers and the secondary with Oregon because it's really good there. They've got, they've got some really good cornerbacks there. So it's going to be interesting to see who wins out of that. But maybe expecting Ohio State to win that one. Um, Michigan versus Washington. I know that's going to be one to watch. Um, you know, the Wolverines had a good first week. But they're coming up against a team that's just been humiliated. And if there's any chance of them losing a game, this is a possibility. This might be it. There is a chance of an upset here. And obviously, my guy, Olafosio, is in there. I'm looking really forward to him to performing on a big screen. So I'm going to be watching very closely. And hopefully a lot of people are going to start taking notice of him. Um, where are you looking, Ry? Any Anything catching your eye? Uh, yeah, the game for the weekend for me is the uh, the rivalry. It's Iowa the Iowa State. It's going to be a potential game of the weekend. I've already predicted, like I say, I don't think it's an update. Iowa knocking off Iowa State, who are ranked just ahead of them in the AP poll. From what I've seen of their defence, they they don't allow much. They don't give up very much. So, Brees Hall and Brock Purdy are going to have a job on their hands, but I think they're going to announce their possible possible playoff credentials this weekend. I think Hawkeyes are going to take a close game and they're going to show the world that that's not to be messed with. And then some smaller games, like say like Cal TCU, like that should be quite interesting. TCU are going to be a good team this year. That's not an easy game for them. Like say these are more, I'd say equal matchups, which, which could be more interesting. Like say there's some smaller games, which I think are going to be really good. I'd say there's there's not many that stand out this week. There's a lot, I'd say, potentials for some FCF upsets. I really hope that some do knock off some FBS teams again. People think Kentucky and Missouri, that could be quite an interesting game because that's quite an important SEC battle. So there's a lot of bragging rights there at stake. And then for me, the, uh, the battle for uh, Utah, BYU against Utah, that is a big ball rivalry. Those two teams do not like each other. And off the last few years, BYU just keep coming out second best. It's just the year where they can trump Utah finally and uh, claim some bragging rights for once. So there's some there's some hidden gems there this weekend. No yeah. big poster by games. No, I think more this week, especially in my case, it's going to be maybe looking at my top five guys. Obviously, I've got Nevada against Idaho State for Carson Strong. Um, they actually, Idaho State or FCS, and they actually upset them the last time they played. 
So that's going to be good to see if they can do it again. Obviously, hopefully, Strong doesn't let that happen. But we'll see as we go on. And then, as much as I hate it, I'll probably take a look at USC this week as well, Keaton Slovis, to see you know, how he's progressed there playing Stanford in the post-Davis Mills era. So I'm actually going to be quite interested to see them because I did enjoy what I saw of them last year. They were a good side. So, yeah, there are a few to find. You know, you might have to look a little harder this week, but for sure there could be plenty of good football out there. Um, just before we finish, obviously, how did, um, how did Arizona State do this weekend? Yeah, I know we won 41-14. I've got to stay up again till the That's If anyone's watching, don't support a Pac-12 team because you have to stay up the latest for the game. And all my kickoffs are 3.30 on a Monday morning. Like We've got a, we've got a NLV this week where Tate Martell is. Let's see if it features at all. But I'm expecting us to handle business again. Like say, like the, the police here, I'd like a nice Oregon loss. Like say, hopefully some of them... Like say Utah, BYU could do me a real favour. So there's going to be some ground that could be lost this week for some teams. Definitely. Um, I hope they do well for you anyhow, man. And I hope the uh, the games are as good as last weekend's because obviously the first week's gone now and we've been absolutely spoiled. So it came back with a bang college this week, didn't it? I think that's all we can say. We couldn't ask for much more than what we did. No, like I said, there was, there was some rude awakenings for teams. Some teams thought they were going to kick last week, and and they they got a big slap in the face. Like, so they need to they need to shake themselves down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll see how they get on. Obviously, we'll be looking for the giant killers this weekend. Hopefully, we've got a few games to cover next week where some giants are slayed once more. But that's it for us today. Um, Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Obviously, we're getting, still getting into the swing of things. It's our first week where we've had the full lot of fixtures on. Um, if you have any questions about any teams, any players, you want us to do any deep dives, you've seen Ryan's success looking for receivers last week. So, you know, we're always looking to hear from you in regards to that. But if there's just anything, college, you want to discuss, get in touch with us. I'll go through all the socials in a moment just to let you know of the shows coming up on the podcast. Um Dependent on when this goes out, so obviously we're on the Wednesday now, but tomorrow welcomes back the return of our Thursday podcasts for Rural Lines. These are our preview shows that we do, looking at the Lions fixtures for the upcoming weekend. Um, obviously, we'll be looking at the 49ers game this week, and we've got a very special guest on that. We've got Luke G of Luke G's Field Review. He's one of our favourite podcasters over there in America. He's done so much for us to help us grow this pod, to let us, you know, give us tips, give us hands. And I always have such a blast when he's on. I'm definitely going to be on the show tomorrow. Um, you're on as well, aren't you, right? Uh, I might be possibly, yeah. I'm not sure yet. Oh, yeah. You've always got to make some time for Luigi if possible. But yeah, he's on. So, you know, give that a listen. It's going to be good fun. We always have a, a good laugh with him. So absolutely looking forward to that. Um, then also on Monday coming up, uh, we'll do the review for the 49ers game. Hopefully we kick off with a win week one or, you know, if the Kool-Aid doesn't come to fruition, then we'll see. But, you know, we like to stay on the positive side here. So we'll be doing the review for that. And then obviously in a week's time, uh, we'll be reviewing week two of the college season here as we've done with week one today. And we'll take a look ahead at week three as well, because there's some big fixtures coming up on that week as well so that's the upcoming schedule for the pod um 
as always, if you want to see us, find us any of our socials um, on YouTube, you'll find us on Roar of the Lions UK, Twitch, Twitter and Instagram. You'll find us ROTL underscore UK, all in caps on Facebook. You'll find us on our page Roar of the Lions UK and our Facebook group Detroit Lions Fans UK one pride worldwide and obviously we have the website as well www.roarthelionsuk.com you can find lots of articles on there um about everything really from the draft to upcoming fixtures there's always new stuff going up so um, do give us a check out on that um anything else this week right before we uh, clock off the air uh, nope i think like say if anyone has any we're going to start looking at our way through like say some tight ends maybe next I've done some receivers so if anyone has a, anyone guys they want me to look at just like you say and I'll put together another list of guys to watch so we'll just we'll just work our way through anyone like say any questions anything you want me to do like write up eventually let me know absolutely uh, and I'm going to have to step up my game with this with the start you've made so um, but yeah anything you need get to us so that's all for now and we shall see you again next week so hopefully get another good weekend of college football in plenty for us to discuss but until then we shall see you later one pride one pride